All right, everybody. We got Ben Clarefield. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, that's right. Dude, awesome, man. You always got to be careful on pronouncing things correctly. <laughs> ben, thank you for being on. I want to open up with you. Uh, let's talk about you, your background, what you're doing, what you got coming up. I think it's going to be a fun little conversation here. Absolutely. Um, well, I own a uh, strength training facility with my wife. She's the brains. I'm the head meathead. And uh, there's seven coaches, including myself, and we're all one-on-one personal training and strength and conditioning for a general population. But we've also had high-level athletes, NFL, NHL, um, uh, pro basketball. You know, all, uh, we have a bunch of jujitsu fighters um, and rugby and all the above athletic stuff. But to be honest, I think our, our philosophy is, is treating everyone like an athlete. So, you know, even if no one's going to do any sport, we really think that athletic performance is important for everyone. So that's who we are. Obviously, uh, my mentor and, uh, you know, very good friend, and I mourn his loss every day is Charles Poliquin. So, I, you know, that's sort of my pathway. But it's the sort of future um, that I'm heavily involved in, you know, on Instagram or whatever, I'm called the ATG coach. So I'm heavily involved in ATG, which is the brainchild of Ben Patrick, aka Mr. Knees Over Toes guy. So I'm in charge of the nuanced part of coaching all of the coaches that are a part of the organization and uh, and sort of showing them and, and, and imbuing as much Charles Poliquin wisdom into sort of the history of sort of understanding what our, our strength and conditioning game is for people that never met Charles. But obviously, ATG is heavily influenced. Ben gives all the credit, you know, all credit to Charles. And it's our interpretation of it. So it's not a verbatim Charles. It's sort of my, I'd say, pretty much decade and a half of learning from Charles and, and, you know, my career is heavily formed by Charles. So, so that's sort of what I would say who I am. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's what we do, um, both uh, online and in person. And yeah, we're, I, I don't know if I said we're here in Toronto, Canada, that's where we are and it's snowing. So that's great. <laughs> you know, it's a, I think people who are going to probably listen to this, understand that there's one degree of separation from Charles. And a lot of people I talk to are probably very similar, maybe even closer. Right. Um, and I think it always comes to this point of, you know, when you got to know Charles and you got to appreciate his real value, the, the question is, is like when you decide to like interpret some of his original messaging and try to say like, I got to fit this to my setting, right? Like I'm working in a team setting in a college environment and you get back home and you're like, all right, I just went through PICP level one and two. And then I go PICP level three and then I go PICP level four. You know, there's going to be this like, bottleneck off of things that you learn there and what you could do if you were in that ideal situation. But what you have to realize is what's practical for, you know, hundred people at 6 a.m. on a Monday and they're dog tired and they don't want to be there. And you're like, oh, by the way, we're going to do advanced German volume training and we're going to do this tempo and, and I'm going to be just motherfucking you with no music. Like not always a perfect fit. And like, you got to sit there and say like, well, the overall message is this and the overall premise is this and the overall structural balance assessment is this and this is how I'm going to be able to apply this and you know the hope is that you understand what Charles was trying to say when he said it and then you're not making a version of that that's not what he originally said just something that you had to mold or make malleable to your environment and I see that a lot with what you're doing and what you've been doing with ATG and everything else out there it's it's saying hey this is important we get to the critical mass because the bigger message is is this and i would say charles i mean i'm biased in this is yeah thank you for understanding and interpreting what i was saying correctly and then getting it to more people in a very creative and interesting and even compelling way and it's helping mm-hmm. 
right? Now, what's the what's the worst case scenario here? We have millions of people now doing more range of motion and training like muscles that are structurally imbalanced and undertrained and and doing a bunch of things that they weren't doing before and having a better perspective of the value of that. Uh, that's I don't know. It seems like a big win for everybody, a big win for guys who were trying to do some of the exercises that Charles was like, Hey, this is probably the best way to do it because it's going to activate the BMO and it's going to get this and train the flexors of the knee and all these other great things that we learned from that. And now not necessarily getting to that critical threshold of, Oh, well, shoot, I don't know how to progress this. I don't know where to start. Like what, how do I train the tip anterior? How do I train the knee flexors? How do I get someone to do a Nordic or a full range of motion split squat? And now we have a pretty good blueprint for that. And more people are exposed to that. And, you know, Hey, by the way, I've been doing this for the last, decade plus and I'm really well versed in it. And I'm, now I got a little bit more support and confirmation and validation for that. So kudos to you guys for all that. And it's amazing. And I feel like you guys are all going about it the really right way of like, this is the way we do it. This is the way it's helped and helped a lot of people. And you don't want to do it. That's fine. But you know, maybe you want to take some stuff here because I think we bring a lot of value to you guys. Yeah. I, I think that what we do at ATG, I mean, for me, the, the melding of the minds with Ben, first of all, we just get along. Like he's great. Like, my joke, I, I said this before, I'll say it again. I'm the balder, older, not as good at basketball, Ben. Um, we both had knee injuries playing basketball. So for me, I came to Charles from the athletic performance, quote unquote, rehab end. I didn't come at it from the body comp end. I think Charles, like, you know, you probably have thought about this. You probably came at it from the same end as myself because of the, whether you're private or you're in institutions of, you know, collegiate or pros, athletic, there's the athletic performance side of Charles. And there's the body composition side of Charles. And they meld. There's back and forth a bit. But a significant quantity of the athletic performance people say, fine, I'll get lean because it'll make me faster, stronger, more explosive. And the other people say, fine, I'll do some of the strength stuff because it'll open up new more units and it'll allow me to get lean and I'll be on a stage and look better. But um, Charles was a genius because he was so interested in all of it. He could be a conference talking about, you know, cell membranes and how that affected brain health and, you know, and heart attack percentages with different genetic codes. Or he could be sitting with the top bodybuilders talking about how they could get from, you know, 3.2% body fat to like 1.6 and various methodologies. And he could say, okay, we're going to sit with basketball players and think this is how we squeeze out four more inches in your vertical jump, or this is how you hit harder in football, or, or this is what you need to do in a jujitsu fight. And this is how you train the grip. You know, he was an absolute genius. Um, with all of his flaws, I think. And that's the thing. I think people look at him and and see the flaws and think that that's who the man was. And I think nothing could be farther from the truth. We're all flawed. We're all flawed. But I think if you can take the beauty and the gems, that's great. And I think the genius now that being involved with Ben, you know, knees over toes guy, Ben Patrick, the other Ben, is that uh, there's a lot of Bens in the Polyquin world. And, um, and uh, really you know, is. I think the genius of, the genius of Ben is that he he is obsessed about movement quality. And I think that's sort of what we've done. Learning from Charles, the idea of Kaizen, but the other one that he didn't talk as much about is the idea of Ren, Kaizen that's slowly improving over you know time. And the idea of Rensho, which is you don't, you work on the movement and you regress and you, the idea of Rensho is a Japanese martial arts term. It means polishing. So you don't not do the movement. You do the movement and you polish the movement as you do it over many, many, many years. And instead of sort of saying, well, I'm not perfect at it, I'll neglect it. It's no, you're not perfect at it. You're going to work at perfecting it. And Ben Patrick's split squad is a thing of beauty. And I think that's something that not only that, but that he's correlated that with his dunking. Not that it's a direct correlation, but the ability for him to land in the ways he does with his knees, you know, with the posterior chain that he has, which is the actual true engine of his, 
of his vertical jump and his speed, but the ability to land and do the things he does with his knees because of his split squat and the mobility and the strength he has in those end ranges. That's something that is inspiring. And I think what we do at ATG is we say it's okay to start with, quote unquote, you know, a step up on the ground. And I remember learning that from Charles, but the point is that it's okay to regress with dowels. I'd never seen it before. I'd never thought of it before to do Peterson step ups with dowels. Because usually Peter and Stepa was so advanced that most of us were like, well, I'm not even going to do that. I'll just do a Poliquin or a flat step or a Patrick, whatever you want to call it. But the genius was saying, no, 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 this is a useful movement with your heel moving and floating with dowels. I'm like, that's brilliant because the mindset of Ben was in ATG is we're going to regress everything to the ability of the person. And we're going to also be extremely patient and say, this is going to take years. So I was sitting in the car with Ben and he said to me, everyone wants my story. You know, they see me dunking and doing the split quotes on the stuff. But my story is go through multiple knee surgeries, spend eight years trying to perfect your mobility and your split squat, and then put it out there in the public in every which way, shape, or form again and again and again in the Gary Vaynerchuk type way. So mm. so really like, okay, like you want to do that? Go ahead. But it, it took eight years. It, yeah. But people are like, oh, if only I do all these reels and all these things, I'll blow up and get to Joe Rogan. So the other thing is I think with all of the debates of Charles's legacy of who and which one, and you know the politics of left, right, center, or whatever – and I'm, I try to be as friendly as I can with all of as many people as I can, because I think, you know, it's like at the jokes, like the enemy's out there. It's not with us that are trying to promulgate. And, you know, all the people are like, well, these are those guys. He's just Charles. And it's not this. Or it's not that. And he's not giving credit. He does give credit all the time. And who else has been on Joe Rogan and said Charles Poliquin's name? I mean, who else has said, like, who else has promulgated Charles's name to the most amount of millions of people ever? ever like not even charles had that reach so in any way i mean in my mind what we're doing is we're pushing the structural balance and again i'm, I'm taking some credit i'm saying i've done it for a long enough time i think some of the numbers are not exactly perfect so it's an interpretive model and what we've done is we've added certain body weight numbers into it to say that there's things that one should achieve and charles didn't really do that as much so he didn't really say hey like a double body weight dip would be really good yeah. No, he said some things like a double bodyweight snatch grip deadlift on podium was really good. But how do you extrapolate that to the split squat and how do you do that? So so we've added the bodyweight element, which I think is relevant because a significant quantity of sports are not bench press oriented, which a lot of the markers of structural balance came from. Yeah. And so we don't do that one RM bench press as much. I do it with some people, not as much with everyone because it's not as relevant for, say, a jiu-jitsu athlete. Although I do think the bench press is relevant for jiu-jitsu because of the pushing of that element but but again i think i think not as many people have that nfl football like a bench press is a is the number one marker people don't do it as much so so in some ways i think the structural balance numbers while i think are brilliant so this sort of gets into something we talked about which is the assessment what markers are relevant for the sport what markers are relevant for gen pop what markers are relevant for you know general structural stability and i think we sort of try to chase all of those so I think the genius of Charles is that he said there's a whole bunch of range of motion and movements that you should do, and you should work at those. And then if you're of a specific sport, you should do more of this. So you know you've trained you know, football players. Yeah, they need a yeah. ton of neck work. Yeah. But a tennis player doesn't need a ton of neck work. But should they do some neck work? Sure. So so there's that individualization. So, so it's not that ATG is this – the genius of ATG, I would say, of the app and the program, is that if you just followed that, good things would happen. But the individual coach that has taken that methodology of which I teach the nuances of it, 
How do you take that and then individualize these things with the idea of the movements that we choose that are important? Mm. And I think that's the thing that a lot of the old school Poliquin people can understand and get behind instead of these sort of uh, social media Instagram that it's like, oh, all they do is to be, oh, you know, someone says, I do knees over toes. What have they done? They do some tip raises. Well, that's not really what <laughs> the whole point is. But people think because Ben might have done 40 videos or 60 videos about tip raises, it's they don't understand the nuance of programming versus, oh, well, I do I do knees over toe stuff. And they might do, a, a, a you know, a step up every once in a while as opposed to, OK, like, are you trying to perfect these movements and then get better at them? So that would be my sort of, you know, you know, I don't want to pronounce it correctly, but you, you use the term promulgate. And, you know, there's an idea in my, in my mind about this idea concept of appropriation and you know the first thing that really comes out is this idea of like elvis presley appropriating african-american music and the catch-22 of it all is would rhythm and blues and jazz and all these other really amazing like genres of music have as much public acclaim or as much public acceptance without some sort of appropriation so it's like, yeah, on one end, like the original audience and the, and the folks that created that music and that genre, you know, feel like a certain sense of like, you used us as a platform to get this out to the world. But then again, too, it's also you're known by everyone and appreciated by everyone on a level where the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and everyone else now is flying to America and going to places like Muscle Shoals and, and Memphis to record albums. And they would have never done that before. You know, and it's the same thing we're looking at the ideas and the ideal, like the ideology of Charles of like, it's at a bigger stratosphere than ever. So we can be frustrated because we were probably the one of the original ones who've had interactions with Charles. And, you know, I went to PICP level four at John Sakura spot and Spear because I just, I don't know, it's important. Great guy. Great guy. John's so a great nice. guy. So nice. He's also a phenomenal coach. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Absolutely. And that was obviously a part of the appeal of it. And, you know, you're sitting there with this group of like, there's a wave in here that never even met Charles that are going through PICP. And I'm stoked that Dave's continuing it and trying to, mm -hmm. you know, like also that a forward. very good friend. Uh, I love Dave. They're amazing people. And yeah, there's this like element of like the people now are getting exposed to this again. And like the legacy has a fighting chance and we could be entrenched and like, we were part of like, like a, we're, a, we're a fan of that punk band in Toronto that no one else knew. And then they had a hit song and all of a sudden they're like number one in the charts and everyone's, now a poser and like they get on board with it like you sold out like versus the other element like every time it goes this bigger level is going to be a version of it that's more simple and more distilled down and more fixed to that newer bigger audience and what the end game is like we were talking about offline before is i'm still going to do that style of split squad of escalator not elevator and being on train tracks not a tightrope and starting them from an elevated position with either dumbbells or a cable and getting them down to the floor and then maybe going into a, a drop lunge or whatever the progression it can do with a barbell. I'm still going to do that regardless of ATG existed or not. Just now, because of that potential propagating or promulgating or appropriating that idea, I have less friction and less blowback from that potential new client that's like, I was told that's bad for your knees for my PT that knows nothing about the subject and is expecting me to be a shitty trainer and have no context on what actual good movement is and having a fail safe in there. If like, if it hurts, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to regress even further. Uh, I just, I don't know. I feel like there's so much more positive now from the things that I know I'm going to do regardless based off of what Charles taught me that I don't have as much. And I have now multiple people that I'm hiring that aren't as like entrenched in that ideology off of like, 
no, you should never go below parallel. Like, where did you come to that conclusion? And we have you and Ben and, you know, folks fighting for it and doing it in a compelling and interesting way that's resonating. It's just changing. The narrative is changing. And that's, that was the dream, right? Like, you know, you have Absolutely. to go from a PS or not, to one. Or not. That's the thing. I think for me, some of the earlier things when I was involved in whatever with uh, Ben and the haters were like, ah, oh, but like, I want the nuance. And it's like, well, I, w- I remember being at Mark Bell's facility with 25 other ATG coaches that had never met Charles. None of them had met Charles except for Ben. And, uh, and it was, I, I got to tell you, I'd never seen. And then we had the ATG Expo, which was in December last year. And that was 100 coaches. And none of them, maybe two had met Charles that had come from. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, I've never seen, and I've been to a lot of Charles seminars and Kilo and all kinds of different, and I, again, friends of mine and great coaches. I have never seen such great split squats as ATG coaches. Yeah. I have never seen it. I have never seen it. The closest I saw was when I had a couple of speed skating Olympians that were trained in Europe under Wolfgang Unsold to train them. And they were going to the Olympics in Calgary, in uh, Vancouver. This is a decade ago. And they, they like, we're talking perfect split squat with front rack position. Every ATG coach, front rack position, back knee straight, asked to, ch- like, I got to tell you, you've never seen such great split squats. Now, my job is to say, hey, guys, you've obsessed over the split squat because it's been amazing, magical. Now you guys can squat and let's get your squat up because you guys will be absolute freaks. These guys have split squats and they're dunking. They're putting their heads on the rim. From an explosiveness point of view, Ben has unlocked something. Ben has unlocked something that a lot of guys haven't gotten results in that way. Like guys that are flying, like flying. And there's something about the way the ATG method, and I'm saying uh, uh, the explanation I have is the unlocking the mobility and flexibility that I think a lot of people haven't worked on. And Edo Portal did it. And I learned that from Edo Portal. But again, the problem is back to the point that we were talking about is the desire for esotericism or, you know, a small little grouping of people that get the true path. And again, I'm not criticizing that. I think that's totally fine. Like I love Edo. I think Edo's a genius too. I think he's brilliant. I think he's philosophically, you know, enlightened. And I think his way is magical. And he's talked about his, uh, you know, what he wants his students or his children. This is very Socratic, Socrates, you know, the, the philosophic idea of of sort of having a school of people that are a small quantity of people that do the thing in the in the most obsessive way. And I sympathize with that. I respect that. But I've chosen the path where I'm a coach and I have a business and I have kids and a family. So I don't have, I have not chosen the same quantity of hours in the day. And what Ben has done and ATG has done is they've in, injected some of that mobility stuff that I don't think the Poliquin world originally did as much so i would say that's innovative in a way that you just add micro quantities of mobility that um i think is phenomenal both for athletes and for general pop and i think that unlocks a level of elasticity and explosiveness in people that are genetically not necessarily gifted for that and you see people absolutely flying like absolutely flying so i think that's the thing and the magic that i bring to the atg stuff is don't forget about the upper body stuff because you're going to get athletes that are football players and you cannot neglect that you can get them jumping and dunking but if you can't take a hit that's bad news bears and with other athletics you know like hockey and and, and jujitsu, you have to deal with other stuff, other metrics. So I bring that sort of level of an old school polyphon guy with the, you know, the learnings that like the mobility stuff, I think is magical, truly magical. And it's microdoses of mobility that some people go down a rabbit hole and they do full splits, side splits, all kinds of crazy stuff. But I think the stuff with the split squad and, 
and, and opening up the hips and the various stretches that we do that are sort of micro doses of mobility. I think that's stuff that is, is magical for gen pop and everyone's hurting. Everyone's back hurts. Everyone's knee hurts. I think ATG does that in a way that I haven't seen it done. Uh, and so to be a part of that, I think is awesome. But my goal is to say, okay, but like Charles talked about strength being the mother of all qualities. Now though, everyone's mobile. Because ATG makes people really like the range of motion stuff with the regressions, not cheating the movement, movement quality, then getting strong on top of that. Like ATG, we're going to see people produce, we're, we're going to produce freaks, like absolute freaks. And that's cool because that's at the higher echelons. The other thing that I didn't talk about with Charles is we've made, I've made a very, very good living doing athletic performance. But you know this, athletic performance is actually rehab. And that's actually the point. And so that's the point for gen pop that never do an athletic movement in their life quote unquote and the top athletes the top athletes don't come in perfect the top athletes are just people that the, the freakishness of top athletes are they can perform at a very high level even though they're bust whereas gen pop if we want to have a differentiation they generally can't perform at a very high level even though they're bust they're just bust and in pain everyone's in pain so if you can alleviate that the freak athletes can do stuff that's even more freakish so you just find their like Everyone says this in strength and conditioning, but I think Charles was the true genius of it and that we're trying to continue that in our own way, which is find the weak link, address that with an intellectual honesty, have movement quality be primary, and then load on top of that movement quality and great things happen. So I don't think there's a cookie cutter, but I think there's specific movements that you can really work on. And again, realizing that like the gym is not the field. I think you've talked about that brilliantly in your book. It's not the same. But... What we can do is if we can do, I really like this paradigm of we deal with hardware in the gym and your sport is your software, whether it's jujitsu or football or whatever, you have to go do that. So I can do all of the things in the gym, but if someone doesn't know what an A gap and a B gap is, that doesn't matter what a specimen they are. Mm. There's the person that needs, you're a linebacker, you need to know A back, A gap, B gap. You need to know who the mic is all in all these type of things. And if you don't know that, that's software. Same thing jujitsu. Like you can be an absolute freak, but someone who's like, got a broken body but knows technique will absolutely wow. destroy you so you got to do both and i think too much of the strength and conditioning world starts to discuss the software stuff that's not my business i have an opinion i can say what each athlete or each person needs but i think as long as we know that we're in the hardware hardware world then that's i think where we can have good discussions i mean and that's that's the thing is that the idea is that really athletic performance is actually great rehab as you were talking, I couldn't help but to think about the book, MVP Machine. Are you familiar with this? No. What, who wrote that? It's a great question. I'm awful remembering authors. I will get that okay. information to you. But yeah. the thought being, it's baseball and it's gone through this like full evolution of including sabermetrics and sports science. They never really look at the sport and the development, right? So classic example would be, you know, a they got to the major leagues, don't screw with their swing and don't throw with their throw. Don't screw with their throwing. So a guy in the offseason who has two pitches, you know, fastball and slider, don't add another pitch. Like, it's not worth it. It's just going to mess with your mechanics and it's going to make you worse. The only question B, though, is if I'm only going to have two pitches and they're only so good and I can add a third pitch in, let's say, eight weeks, why not? Wouldn't that make me more invaluable? And the same thing for the guy who is a 275 hitter, 10 home runs a year. Like, what if I re-engineer my swing so I can get the ball – up more as opposed to swinging down at it you know and these guys have like gone out there and like they're not getting it from the organization they're going outside of their organization and finding people who are 
more courageous to take that proverbial leap of like, I'll work on a pitch with you in that six weeks from September until December. I'll do it. Like I'll work on a, a curveball or a change up or whatever it is that can add to your arsenal in this time period. And maybe we don't finish it this off season. And there's a, a concept called driveline. It's basically like, like, like ATG is made like split squats cool and Nordic's cool. They've made warm up drills and weighted ball progressions really, really impactful for Major League Baseball and all of baseball. You know, they've changed this paradigm shift in baseball and throwing that it used to be never touch a weighted ball that will give you Tommy John surgery or throw out your shoulder or screw the mechanics. And now it's a complete fixture because so many pitchers were going there in the offseason, taking a fastball from mid 80s to plus 90, adding extra pitches and in a six to eight week period, they just said, no, screw that. We don't believe that you can't add another pitch or add below to your ball three years into your career, major league career. Like if you're an 80 mile per hour guy and you're in single A, you're never going to make it to the league. And these guys go to them in the offseason and they add velocity and they add another pitch and they come back and they're at eights. And the major league baseball has to come back retroactively and say, we can't have these guys going out there and getting all this stuff on their own. We got to be able to do that within. So they've had to reframe, like basically reframe their approach of this whole thought of once they get to major league, don't screw with them. But when you're talking about the elite level athletes that come to you in the off season, you're doing the rehab because you know that's what's needed. Where their strength conditioning program is kind of like fixated on maybe some other things, right? Like, all right, man, I just got to hit these benchmarks and coach will get my off my ass and then I'll kind of keep up with the Joneses. And they feel a certain level of compelling like compelled to do something that they think is like what their job is versus you're looking at it. That's not the job. They're broken, man. They can barely move without pain. I got to get them back moving again before I start worrying about adding anything into their, their repertoire that's hard or stressful or straining. And I think that's the thought it's ATG. You're just organic solutions. Like same thing when you're reading MVP machine and driveline, it's got to do what's necessary because they need to do this. And as we look through gen pop, it's still got an epidemic of obesity. We still got an epidemic of low back pain. We still got an epidemic of people who are more times than not unhealthy and don't know how to get themselves out of it. So instead of saying, well, if you're not going to be able to squat two times your body weight and do 12 chin-ups, why not say, I'm going to meet you where you're at and wrench out of this and say, hey, I'm going to focus on, let's just do a good split squat today. And that might mean your foot's going to be 12 inches off the ground. You know, hey, let's just do a knee dominant posterior chain machine leg curl today or some tape anterior raises because that's going to be the most direct linear path to getting us to do something a little bit better we could be successful today um and i think once you go through that a couple times and a couple cycles and iterations of that you start to become more comfortable with that and you go my value is not tied into doing extraordinary things it's doing simple things extraordinarily well and that's the product that i think most people forget and miss and if they're not going to get it from you, they're going to have to find it eventually. And that's why driveline exists. That's why ATG came up. That's because we kept meeting the same problems because we didn't really have a solution. And we keep forcing square peg round hole. And here we are. Now something's starting to emerge out of eventually the mother of all necessity. And here we are. It's, it happens because it needed. And I think that's a really cool and fun and interesting time period right now to be in our roles because it's something that we've forced to reconcile with and for some something that we had to face with. That's not our job anymore. It's to help people. And what is helping people is getting them out of pain and discomfort and getting moving. It's it's funny you say that because, you know, uh, you know, just to, to me, I think as always, you know, we were talking about this a little before. 
uh, you know, I think you nailed it. I think that's fascinating. And I think that's, you know, I, I think that it's funny. I was just thinking about those of us who are on the athletic performance side and maybe the difference between the body comp people and the athletic performance side is we care about sports, whereas the body composition just don't. So even though we're on the hardware side, quote unquote, of we don't deal with the skill stuff, we really care about learning from mm-hmm. about the skill stuff. So what you're saying resonates. I was talking to Ben about this from a shooting point of view. And it's interesting because I don't know if you sort of follow Gilbert Arenas, you know, uh, Agent Zero, really, you know, hilarious guy, was was an absolute gangster. He put 60-something points on Kobe, you know, absolutely hilarious. But he's a phenomenal analyst, and he made a case. He came out about Giannis, you know, and said he's not actually improved that much as a player. And everyone thought he was being a hater. And he wasn't being a hater. He was saying, no, Giannis is phenomenal at these things, but he hasn't added a weapon every offseason. And Gilbert Arenas is the guy that says that. Every offseason, you should add another weapon. Don't do it during the season, but in the offseason, if you can't shoot from, you know, the whatever, if you can't do a one step in from the three, you know, three point line over here, you should work on that as part of your game. If you don't have a step back, that should be part of it. Whatever it might be, you should add that into your arsenal every offseason. And that was what Kobe did. Obviously, that's what Jordan did. Jordan changed his game. I mean, those of us who know Jordan was like dunking on people's head and then suddenly he was back to the basket, fade away. It wasn't the same. That was Jordan that would put, you know, 36 on you and it was all back to the basket fadeaways or whatever it might be. And once in a while, he'd dunk on people. He still had that. But he changed his game. He added skills. So this idea of even the best of the best, you know, it's sort of, I think it's fascinating. It's sort of that fixed mindset. Oh, they are what they are. So he's a bad knee guy. So it's the same thing in some ways. Yes, there's carryover. No, I mean, Ben was a bad knee guy. He had three knee surgeries and couldn't, you know, what is it? He had a 19-inch vertical. And now the guy's like, he's, you know, got two kids in his 30s, tomahawk dunking 40-inch vertical. I mean, come on. If that's not a transformation saying it's not do- white guy, you know, like six foot one, he's not that tall. You know, so so that's crazy. So to me, the, but that's what we did always. It's you're not who you are. I remember having an argument with one of my linemen, my NFL linemen, who says, no, like 300 pounds is this, this NFL number. And I was like, but why? But that's just a number. What about we get your body fat up and we get you so body fat down and get you so effing strong that you can smack the living daylights out of your – and he got tens of millions of dollars because he believed yeah. me and said, okay, let's try it. And we went against the 300-pound paradigm. I got him down to – I think the leanest he was was – I got – you know, in the offseason, he was like six five and a half, and he was like 279 instead of like 315 and had abs. So not many guys that big have at natural, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, and I think he, he was playing at like 289, 290. And, but he had enough clout to tell the, the, you know, the coaches, F you, I'm not going over 300. Watch me, watch me play. And he would, he would, he did great. And, you know, that's his career. He had the ability to say, no, I'm not going to be 300 pounds. I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to be great. And, and, it, and I think that's the ability to just look external to the paradigms. And those of us who have, you know, Charles taught me that he said, look, just because everyone says something doesn't mean that's the way it is. You have to have a sort of a, a critical mindset. And I think it's a cool thing to see what the privilege of what we do is we get people to change. So to think that that's impossible on the skill side too is crazy. So especially if someone plays the game, like, no, 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 you only throw pitches this way. Well, why? Like, but, but why? And I think it's interesting because it does bleed over into the hardware side, which is, oh, you only have so many, you know, throws. Like, not if you strengthen the elbow and the shoulder, you have more throws. Not if you strengthen the, the structure, then you can practice more. Mm-hmm. Uh, not if you work on recovery methodologies, and there's so many now that can help. So I think it's interesting to have that idea of where you can change. It. And at the same time, 
one of our clients, I don't need to discuss the details of it, went to a nutritionist because they were covered to talk. And it was so contra to the stuff that we do. And again, nutrition is a whole nother ballgame and it's a whole ideological whatever. But you're right. I think the thing is, and, and it was so fun. He came to us and he said, this is what they told me. And it was insane. So I was like, great. That almost is useful because I'm like, yeah, they were so crazy. that In my mind, I'm like, good. There's crazy stuff out there. That means that we're still going to have a job because yeah. people are going to come to us for results. But in some ways, the magic of it is now that Ben's gone out there and everyone's like, have you heard of knees over toast guy? So if you're bitter and your life isn't that good, then you're like, ah, F that guy. He's succeeding and making so much money. And I know it. I knew it before he was even like born or whatever, you know, instead of it saying like what you're saying is like, oh, it makes my life easier. I'm like, oh, you, you want to know what we do? Go check out the knees over toast stuff. We just do that in person. And for me, I even have the added benefit where I can say, yeah, people are like, oh, have you heard of this knees over toast? I'm like, look at my text messages. <laughs> oh, you know? And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah, we do that in person. And I work with that and I do the coaching stuff. So it's kind of awesome. But for me, I feel that I'm privileged to jump on the bed. He's way more charismatic than I am. I'm not zero charismatic, but Ben is like a genius of that. Like he's, he's that genius, aw shucks, American guy, you know, guy next door, hat on backwards, kind of like, you, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like that kind of like just got, you know, and he's just passionate about it, generous. And he, he sees it as like, I just want to do it the dumbed down version that the 12 year old him that had knee pain can really like take it away and whatever. So the, the nuances of the details of like, why doesn't he have leg curls? Because it started during the pandemic and like not many 12 year olds are going to tell their parents, Hey, can you buy a $6,000 Atlantis leg curl? It's a great leg curl. I, I have two of them. You know, Stefan has three of them. Like people, Dave Lawrence has like a hundred of them. What, you know, Charles had eight. Like, like the point is, okay, but the genius is like, how do you dumb it down so people can get some work in? And I think the nuance is to understand that it's, it's in context. And I think that's the thing to understand is that if you see a hundred tip raise uh, videos, it's because Ben's that's an easy entry and that's an easy entry for people to, to do that. But that's not the only thing. It's as you said, it's like, how do you convince people to do Nordic curls, which are really hard? I like to call them the chin up of the lower body. Yeah. You, know, you know, it's really hard. But people are like, oh, I can do this. Then I can do this. Then I can do this. And then there's videos of like, we put ATG, we put up videos of like, you know, female athletes doing them. It's usually like, oh, they can. Yes, they can. Yeah. It's just follow the progression. Be patient. It's not going to happen in two weeks. It might take two years. That's okay. And, and in some ways, isn't that what you want to be doing anyway in life? Don't we think that we should be doing this for the rest of our lives? You know, when someone asks you, like, oh, so if I get my body to the way I do, like, do I have to keep training for the rest? And your answer is like, yes, <laughs> yes. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, but now that I've lost no point that, I want to go back to, <laughs> like, I, you know, what, 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 can I go back to my other life where I'm stuffing my face with ice cream and, like, eating junk all day? I'm like, you can. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's a great life. Like once in a while, don't get me wrong. I love food. I, I'm a, I'm a fat boy. Like I love food. But the point is, the point is like, okay. But like, what type of life do I want? Do I want a life where I'm, I feel like sluggish and slow and I can't move and play with my kids or do the sports that or do jujitsu, which is my old man sport? No, like I want to be able to do that at a high level, which means I want to put the work in in the gym, which means take care of my joint structure. So I think that's the genius of what Charles taught us. And in uh, that ATG, we're just trying to package it up in a way that is accessible and is, is far from esoteric. It's far mm -hmm. from esoteric, but I think people take little bits of it and the critique is like, oh, ATG is just tip raises. Yeah. No, it's not just tip raises, but it's saying don't neglect. I mean, another way of talking about ATG is it's saying 
we've we've really like with Ben's genius, like we've made the remedial lift sexy. Mm. Like you see, like how many videos yeah. now are there people doing external rotation? Yeah. Like how many videos? I mean, you, like that was the secret code of like anyone <laughs> that did PICP. But now it's like a th- you know, if yeah. you want to fix your shoulders, rotate. I'm like, great, good, like amazing, well, right? Like. Well, you know, it's amazing about that though. And you were talking about the idea of doing this at home. And now any one of our potential customers for our gyms can say, well, I could just do this anywhere. Yeah. But I have two Atlantis light curls. I got a prime light curl in my facility. I have a cable car. Amazing. I have one kilo increment dumbbells from three all the way to 15 in each one of my gyms. Eventually you're going to hit this kind of like apex. And it makes me think about this line from Sam Walton, they made it in America. So he talks about like, when we come to a new town, people get all freaked out. We're going to crush a small business. What I'm doing is getting that customer in there and saying, Oh shoot, I need to buy paint. We can only offer so many colors of paint and only styles of paint. We only have so many people who are so competent in paint. If you want a paint store within a quarter of a mile, if you have that availability of those paints that we don't have and a person is way more knowledgeable about it, you should be out selling us in terms of paint other than convenience, but you should be crushing us in terms of paint sales. We can't beat you in theory, but we are because you get lazy and complacent. So when it gets to that point of like, oh, you could do this at home, but hey, eventually for you to be able to do a full Nordic, probably going to be a lot more linear of a path. And we can have objective data on this because we test Nordic hamstring strength through a Nord board. We know the people that we get on a prone leg curl and go through a progression of two leg, one leg, poliquin, whatever way you want to do it. It's a lot faster of a transition to doing a really good Nordic. We know that- I never did Nordics. I never did Nordics. No one did, yeah. Oh, yeah. I never did Nordics. I I thought Ben, I was like, huh. I did in college. Like, I didn't do Nordics. Cause we were doing so much rack stuff, but yeah, it was, yeah, but for I, sure. We didn't, I didn't do Nordics. I I'm, I'm Poliquin through and through. I didn't do like that shit before. I'm lucky. Yeah. But like my leg curls, I can leg curl a truck. So it took me a week to do Nordics. And mm-hmm. then I can, I don't know, I've done 20. I did 20 recently. Like, yeah. like I can do 20 Nordics and, and like all the ATG guys that have never touched a leg curl. A lot of them, it takes them two years to get a Nordic or a year and a half, which is great. That's fine. I just have, so the genius of being a coach, a Polyphone coach or whatever, ATG coach mm-hmm. is like, oh, here's the progression that you're going to get there quicker. So the way I coach our coaches, I say, look, because it's interesting. I had a conversation with an ATG coach early on when I was doing a, I was running through a, a, the certification for the ATG guys. Guys that work for Ben online were like, well, I just don't know what to do in person because they have time. They do a ton of online stuff. But if, if someone says, hey, you do this and I saw you in the gym, can you train me? They have time to do that. So the guy goes like, I don't know what to do because the app is so good. And I was saying, yeah, but some people are going to want you to hold their hand through it. So the way I say it is like, not everyone is going to say, great, I can do it at home, motivated myself. No, they want him or Ben or like, you know, John or, or you know, or, or Greg or whoever your coaches are, or Jacqueline, one of our coaches. They want us to hold their hand and say, you guys decide. You tell me when I'm ready. I don't think about this. I'm an accountant. I'm a lawyer. I'm a housewife. I'm a mom. I've got all this stuff on my head. I don't want to think about when my next rep is. I don't even want to count my reps. Huh? I don't even want to know how much weight's on the bar. Just do the stuff so that my body works. And I'm like, oh my God, now I'm doing a chin up huh? or a Nordic curl or whatever. Like they, that's what they pay us for. And they'll, they're, you know, time is money mm-hmm. and we're saving them a ton of time. So guess what? It costs more money. But for us at ADG, the genius is there's an app that's pretty much like free. I mean, it's not free. It's 50 bucks a month. Like you can't beat that from an online mold. Like, I don't think it's beatable. Like I do online stuff, but it's the bespoke version of online stuff. 
but I only have myself and the amount of time I have. I don't have the time that um, the dedicated staff at ATG is. It's brilliant. It's truly brilliant. But as, as he says, another criticism of Ben is like, oh, but it's a cookie cutter program. Yes. Yes, it is. Like it is a cookie cutter program. Mm -hmm. That's the point of it. But the point is that you get a coach to see your videos and there's great feedback now, but Tim's going to give you better feedback when you're in person. I'm going to give better feedback when I'm in person. That's better. But that doesn't mean that the app isn't a great, great value. If no one's around you, like not everyone can get to you. Not everyone can get to me. I'm here in Toronto. I have seven coaches. There's a limited amount of people. So, but that, but that doesn't mean that, oh my God, we're going to be, you know, irrelevant. No, absolutely no. not. It means that we're going to hold their hand and be specific and say, oh, well, this person needs a bit of that. And oh, my son's a hockey player. What do I do with that? And it's like, well, he's going to have to like do a bit more neck training. He's not going to, you know, or whatever. Like we're going to make sure his seated good morning is even better. Or we're going to make sure that his ankles aren't going to get destroyed in the skate, whatever. Well, that's the thing, like, right? So that's You're- the, that's the. ATG's out there. There's and there's a lot of other things online they could do remotely as well. They could do Peloton. They could do whatever they want online, and it's available and they're clean and they're very good products in a lot of ways. They're really really organized and they sell it, market it, package it well. The difference being though is, well, eventually everything runs its course, and I could probably get you there a lot quicker because economically I could afford a leg curl in my gym because I have multiple people using it. It's dumb for you to buy that for your house. Or, hey, I can get these one kilo increment dumbbells that it would be dumb for you to get a full set like that. Or, hey, I have the expert eye to know, eh, this plan could go a lot faster or we got to stay with it. Where the, the really big value, though, is now more people are exposed to this than ever. They're aware that they need to improve in these benchmark areas. And we, as these expert coaches with premier facilities, have the best chance to take the people on this like echelon of that have kind of exhausted all of that process or reached a plateau of what they can do at home or remotely. And we can take it another step or we can get them there faster. It's like body comp. Like you can eventually get there if you just restrict calories and exercise more, but I can make sure that your lean body mass is a certain level. I can make sure that maybe symmetry and structural balance or breaking down or titrate up macros or nutrients as we go through. Like, I can pull that lever more efficiently than you can. So I'm going to help you in a much more fast and much more efficient way to get to that point B. And then after that, it goes into management and it goes into, okay, what do you want to do from there? But I do think this is a cool start point of, let's say that is the, you get that person who's gone through the ATG app and they've come to your facility. You know, what is your start point with them from a screening perspective to kind of start to lay the inroads for the next couple of weeks, months, years? So that's a great question because, you know, and we've had that actually happen to us a, a lot. You know, one of our greatest success stories has been with us for a year and he did the app. He found us from the app and he says, oh, Ben's in Toronto. Great. Like I'm here. I don't want a video. He's got two yet three young kids and two were like running in between while he was videoing. He has the means. So again, we're a more expensive, you know, we're a higher ticket item. Um, the cost is higher. But again, as Charles always says, it doesn't cost anything. It's an investment. But again, the, the money's the money. We cost way more but he has the means he's a top exec and he doesn't have the time. So he figured, well, why not just have someone do it? And he's doing, you know, now, so he's progressed so much that we're doing contrast training. He's a weekend warrior athlete. He surfs, he skis, he plays basketball. You know, he's a guy that played collegiate level football, like 15 years or 20 years ago. Um, He played pro football in Europe, but you know, three dislocated shoulders, his ankle was bust, his knee was, so he found ATG online, which is great for us. But then he's like, okay, I want to speed up the speed it up. And we did that. So again, like ATG, he's not doing contrast training from the app. We're, we've progressed him so far that he's now athletic enough 
that he's grabbing the rim at like he's 40 something. And, you know, so, so he's like the, you know, he's got a six pack and he figured out his nutrition and all the stuff that, that he's done so well, but how did I see it? He, first of all, we have an intake form where you come in and you tell us the injuries and all this kind of stuff. So I already know how we're going to address some of these things. So the thing is I need to see the movement. So I'm a big fan of like with myself and our coaches, we see the movement first. So, so we, I'm a big fan of starting with the sled because actually you start to get work in. I actually have shied away from the old school Charles method where we're going to test one and bench press in the first thing and Scott curl. I just don't do that as much anywhere. Not that I don't think it's a phenomenal value, but he's coming in and telling me his shoulder already sucks. He put down thousands of dollars. He's already in. I don't have to sell him on that. What I can tell him is that these are the metrics that we're going to get to. And he can't do that. You know, so he comes in and he says, you know, okay, how many chin-ups? And I think he did three, if I recall correctly. So I said, that's garbage. That's me, Charles, you know, my Charles part. I'm like, that's absolutely garbage. That's dog shit week. We need to get your chin-ups up to 12, three sets of 12 perfect reps. And then we can load it and then all this kind of stuff. And he says, yeah, I have pain here in my shoulder. I'm like, well, yeah, your rotator cuff is absolutely garbage. Your trap three is garbage. We need to achieve these numbers such that you can, you know, perform properly uh, in any movement of your upper body. And these are the movements that we're going to have to achieve. We're going to have to get your split squat to be perfectly, you know, on the floor, perfect split squat. And then we're going to have to hit these load numbers. So that's what I articulate that to the person instead of just being like, but but I have to show them how garbage they are. Mm -hmm. But then I have to articulate instead of just being like, you're shit, I have no plan for you. You're garbage. Uh, That's the point, whatever. But here's the recipe that we're going to get you to with that. Now, how long and how fast? I don't know how fast their tissue can remodel because I don't know how their sleep is. You've got young kids, you're stressed, you're traveling, your tissue remodeling is going to take longer. Your nutrition is garbage. You're not taking any of the proper supplements. It's going to take longer. So I don't promise an exact number, but I say, we're going to work towards these numbers and really good things are going to happen. And once people hit those numbers, they're like, well, what's next? I want to hit bigger numbers. So again, he's hit all the basic numbers. So now he's like, I'd like to get more athletic. I'm like, okay, now you can do more advanced methods because you're hitting numbers on the squat with the perfect split squat and your rotators here and you can do chins and dips and loaded. And so, so then I can just train him like I would train a coach or an athlete or whatever, but he's a weekend warrior, but I don't care if he's a weekend warrior. Now I can do things like we've done eccentric blocks. He's earned it. He's strong enough. He's diligent enough and it works for his, his tissue. So, so he's earned the right. He's not just doing body comp or like structural balance or whatever. He's like, he's earned the right to do more advanced methods with bands and chains and all kinds of fun stuff. So, so I think as a coach, you need to have that. So for me, the entry point is, but I'm not going to do a clat test on someone, you know, Charles, you're jumping off. If someone comes to me like, yeah, I have a shattered ankle and a head surgery in my knee. Like I'm not, I'm not going to do that because the, the test will hurt them even more. So I like watching them move. So I'll see what their squat is like. I'll do that. And a lot of people, like, I don't even want to humiliate them with an overhead squat. If they're semi-athletic, I'll do an overhead squat just to show them how, again, it's a sales pitch too. There's truth mm-hmm. in it, but it's a sales pitch in the sense of like, look how garbage you are. And they realize you show them their you know, overhead squat, they're, you know, shaking and they've, and you can't even sit all the way down. And I'm like, and then we, we address and usually we'll add a slant board and I show them how bad their dorsiflexion generally is. That's modern life. And I say, we're going to fix these things and we're going to put work in. And, and I like getting to work as fast as possible. And once people start to train the way we do with the range of motion that we do with the proper regression, most of the time they've never done that unless they've been with another poliquin type trainer so it's it's revelatory and they're like oh my god this feels good and they're bought in so that's what i would say i think i'm less i I like getting into training pretty quick and the other thing i like this 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 is the trials line training is is assessment so you know there's something to that where it's not simply an assessment is separate from what we do to train so seeing what the movements are and how good or bad they are 
but that's back to the Kaizen Rencho principle. Well, you know, you know, it's amazing. And I'm sure you figured this out the hard way like I have is they're interviewing you in that first segment. And one of the things you realize is they're trying to summarize everything that they think they're going to be doing with you for the next month, couple months, multiple times a week within that first snapshot. And when you get to like a very like, I don't know, slow, boring, methodical assessment, you can feel that anxiety of like, oh, dude, they're losing it. They're not interested. They're going to, they're going to, you're going to go, that's just not for me. I don't really envision myself doing that. And also too, you have like a, a stacked deck on your end because you're going, okay, this guy's been doing ATG. He's got a background in athletics. I know for a fact he's probably not having the ability to do some of the upper body stuff like a chin up. I know that maybe he's doing this in his garage. So he doesn't have access to a sled. So I'm going to do two parts. I'm going to see where he's kind of like underdeveloped. And two, I'm going to create this immediate value with him. Like, see, this is why you need to be with us because we have this equipment that's hard to do in your house with kids running around. And, and we're going to be able to get a lot of really good results just from having exposure to this. And as well as you know exactly what you need to do and you know already what he's ever done. Like he's probably done some stuff at home with the tip bar and split squats. Like, great. We're already ahead of the curb on that. I can go ahead and go foot flat and we grab two heavy ass dumbbells and we go to work. Like, great. You know, and I think that's the part when you're in a private sector and you know all this stuff and you have this like the, the burden of knowledge of like everything you could and should do. And I need to know everything from start to finish. And I still like to get that information, but I need to leverage that to show here's how I'm going to bring you value. And here's how we're going to get you what you want is because of this is such a restricted area or because it's such an underdeveloped area. And I, I need to go through this like benchmark to figure that out. And then when it gets to the other end, because eventually everything hits this like rhythm and routine, like, all right, three, four days a week and you're coming in and it's the dog days of training. All right, we've got to hit this movement prep. we got to hit this training. we got to hit this and we just got to go through the process. And then you go back to like weeks on end of progressing this and maybe sometimes you take a step back to shitty night's sleep and like, why are we doing this? Like, remember all the way back to when we originally assessed you, you were really bad here and you told me this was your goals. You know, we got to go through things that suck for a while in order to get to things that are great, you know, and those are the process. So you have more and if you have a quick response of like, I know exactly why I'm doing this based off the initial assessment, they have more confidence in you. Like, okay, you got a plan. Great. That's all I need to hear. I'm paying really good money for this. I just need to know that you have a reason behind this. Sounds good. Let's keep going. You know, and that's the part you learn. That's exactly right. Um, So that's exactly right. I think, I think that's, that's the sort of idea, you know, the jokes is like, the AI and this kind of stuff, you know, is going to take over our jobs. I don't think so. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of the stuff. Um, you know, I think you're totally right. I think that's the idea is that a lot of the guys that are in our, our position where they can, they, they've done really well that they can afford to buy a huge gym or all the dumbbells or all the leg curls and stuff, but they still want someone to make, to make the calls of when to do what and where, and they don't have the time and effort to become coaches. And maybe they do, and maybe they will, and that's great. They'll become coaches. So I think that's a, a really cool thing. It's the ability to choose when and what and where i think so especially you know the equipment and when and what and where and save people time i think that's a great thing you know and again like you know what is it you do things built at the speed of trust you know that's that's the thing so you know going into uh let's let's let's, we've had a lot of really good conversations and i i think we got to get uh some sort of closure here you know like looking at now where you're at with your clients and then this other thing of like this 
huge, huge like platform that you're working with, you know, what are the things that from a coaching perspective, because I want to talk to that coach out there, like you and me, that's, damn, this is sweet. Like, appreciate, like, I have a guy like Ben out there who's, you know, preaching the good message of good training and stuff like that. You know, like, what is that thing that, like, what you just alluded to with your screen that you think when, hey, I got someone who's ATG exposed, maybe they circulate around in the social media and they find, oh, wow, they look like they do and knees over to a split squat or they do some Nordics. You know, what is that like bridge point of like, you know, how does that person win in that environment? Like, maybe I'm not ATG certified or maybe I'm not like, you know, affiliated with you guys, but I still think I can kind of like carry the baton. Or maybe we should go out there and get ATG certified, like which is, I guess, a really good plug there as well. Like, go to mm-hmm. like learn from them. And Absolutely. From them. Um, what is that message you want that person to say? I, I would say, important. I would say the first thing is I think you have to walk the walk and talk the talk too. So I think actually learning about the history of it from Charles and us and ATG and guys like yourself and there's other guys too and, and, and you know and, and ladies too that have done it for a long time. So first learning and then putting into practice actually hours in the gym and and then there's watching reps. So first get your own results and secondarily get people that you're you know are willing to try with you. So it could be your family or a friend and then get the results. So so really the answer is results 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 and the thing is that you can take it upon yourself to get results first. So get results with you and then invariably people will be drawn to you. Mm. And and then you learn from people that have been there before you. So yeah, ATG, get ATG certified. And you know, I do a coaching call every week. Um, we do podcasts. We do, we're always in contact with our coaches. We help them. We do events in person. Um, so that's the thing. It's, it's worthwhile, you know, do internships with coaches that have come before you. Pay coaches for their time. Do on, uh, you know, consults online. I do that. You know, I'm sure you do. And there's all kinds of guys that, you know, ladies that it's worthwhile to pick their brain and say, what are the top things? You know, get other coaches that have been before you to write your programs and go through them and learn and and then and get results with people. And I think that's the thing we talked about, getting results with people in a way that it's like, be present so that you get results with the person. Don't hope that you're going to find some NFL that'll walk to you or NBA guy. First, get results with, you know, whoever it is, that young athlete or that housewife first. And then in time, maybe she'll bring her kid who's a top athlete or maybe they have a cousin or whatever, you know, and, and that's the thing that you have to do is be present, get results with the person, either it's yourself or then a friend, and then your first client, and then you can grow it. And then you can make asks at higher levels. And then in time, people will come. That's so fantastic, man. Thank you, Ben. It's so simple. Much. It's like, it's simple. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll finish with this. I'll say, you know, the joke is like, how do you get a thousand clients? One at a time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a really great, uh, and that's so underrated. You know, like I think, you know, we kept this like, you know, this hypothetical or this fantasy of what it would be like to be at that level. But it really just starts with what are you doing right now with the person in front of you? You know, and like, are you social media right now while you're training someone? Well, in order for that to look good, you're gonna have to get that fixed first, and then you can post on the social media. Um, exactly. So it's it's a lot of variables, but that's just as simple as that. You know, start with one. Love it. Be good right now. Thank you so much for this, man. I just uh, genuinely no, my pleasure. Time. And the and the just my the, pleasure. The insight and the wisdom, man. Those. Hey, man. Awesome, man. My pleasure. Yeah, um, man. I I really appreciate it. And I'm just um, a fan. thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm a fan of yeah, all you guys, man. I think you guys are doing really. No, good. I appreciate you. Your your book is fantastic. You really Thank should you. Uh, you should be proud of that. It's fantastic, Thank man. You. And also, you know, congrats on your facilities and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah we're doing yeah, it, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, buddy. It's awesome, man.